afternoon. Welcome to this afternoon's edition of the Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban. Today, we're very happy to have Steve Harris on. He's one of the Republican candidates for delegate in the new 100th district. So please introduce yourself, Steve. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Steve Harris, and I'm a native born and raised West Virginian. I moved to Jefferson County a little over 30 years ago, and I've made my home here for several years. Uh, I've been part of the active community here. I'm a retired police officer. Currently, I serve on the Jefferson County uh, Emergency Services Agency, and I'm the current treasurer. Um, I'm running for the House of Delegates 100th because I'm tired of my voice and the people's voices not being heard. Uh, as, uh, if I'm lucky enough to be the person elected, I plan to make sure that uh, the people's voice gets heard again in Charleston, something that I don't feel that our country is, is uh, allowing us to do anymore. Um, we uh, have had several issues come up here locally in the 100th uh, that I plan to take directly to Charleston. One of the things that uh, many of us are frustrated with here in the Shannondale area is that we have been asking for many, many, many years for to get a second way off this mountain in case of a fire. That is something that has never made it to Charleston. My very first bill, if I'm the person that is elected, will actually be the uh, Shannondale Safety Act, and that would be the first bill that I introduce. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Uh, yeah. In your literature and we've talked about it before about, yes. you know, another um, exit for Shandale. Well, while we're on that topic, um, what do you, could you elaborate a little more? Like how, how might it look? Well, there are several locations here uh, within Shannondale that we could try to punch the road through. There are some existing roads just right on the other side of the mountain that would be very easy to hook into. Um, we have uh, two, two or three other candidates that are running, a couple of the folks that are interested in the school board, a couple of folks that are interested in, in the um, county commission have come up and we've gone over several areas in the mountain looking for places that we could actually take the road through. Um, the, not only would we want to have a second way off of this mountain, but we need to have something called what we call an emergency notification system that allows people to be notified in the middle of the night. We have a lot of people here on this mountain that work in DC, Virginia, Maryland, that this is a bedroom community to a lot of folks. Uh, a lot of those folks, uh, if something happens here, they have no idea that this mountain is on fire and that the fire is heading to, toward their residence. So it, not only would we have a second way off of this mountain, but we would also have an emergency notification system that wakes these people up in the middle of the night, gives them a chance to get out of here. Uh, on top of that, we'd have marked evacuation routes. So that will all be included in my very first bill in Charleston. Hmm. So, but isn't, isn't that like a more complicated process of getting like funding and how could a bill address that? I guess uh, what I'm saying is like, have you researched the procedure for how roads are actually funded and built? Well, well I've really not only researched the road aspect of it, and that actually seems to be the least a bit of the problem. 
Um, there's not that far to go. There are existing roads right now that would take us over to the other side of the mountain into the West Virginia section, which is uh, runs right out off into Virginia on Route 7. Um, our school buses currently, instead of being able to come across the mountain here to take kids uh, over to the, the, the part uh, of West Virginia that sits over there off of Route 7, they have to go all the way down 340, get on Route 7 in Virginia, and bring the children back into uh, through Virginia back into West Virginia again. So that would, uh, this road in, in essence, if we hooked into the existing road that is already there, we would be able to hook that together. Mm -hmm. and the school Which road is that together. you're talking about? Yeah, well, that's the one that goes all the way down off of where Mission Road is, uh, goes up over the mountain. What used to be an old logging road many, many years ago. But Not there is Mission actually, Road or, or, or uh, Peggy it, or what do it you is, call it? it is, no, it's, it's Mission Road. Mission Road, you take Mission Road down so far, and just before you get to the total end, back down by the river, Mission Road veers to your left. It goes up over the mountain. It's a dirt road, gravel road that goes up over the side of the mountain there and goes into uh, now a, a, a nature complex up in there that folks uh, friend, get away. Yeah, I've been, I was just yes. visiting the Friends Retreat. That's yeah. some idea. There's roads up there that run all the way over into the other part of West Virginia that uh, is just off of Route 7. Hmm. So well, that, Mission, that, yeah, Mission yes. Road, I think, becomes like a little trail. Yes, And then very much there's so. also, a, yeah. Well, it's an interesting point. I, I think, you know, I've talked to, uh, as you know, a bunch of Shenandoah residents, and most people support it. Another mm -hmm. aspect might be, though, what has come up, too, is the, um, the related idea of development. I don't know. This is more maybe a county issue, but anyway, let's bring it out. So one thing I've noticed in Shannondale when, first of all, when development happens, some people have argued that that would bring in more development, which isn't necessarily bad, but that like the typical mode of building a home in Shannondale is the lot is clear cut, <laughs> like nothing. Yeah. One tree yeah. is left, no trees. It's like, yeah. What the heck? Apparently, you know, I mean, I got obviously, I guess that's not against any ordinance. I'm not suggesting maybe a B or not B, but it seems rather tasteless to say the least. So anyway, what I'm saying is here's the question. Is there a concern if it were connected to Route 7 that they'll bring in kind of unbridled development? And also that's like what you're talking about is going through the friend's retreat property. So how would you deal well, with I those things? Well, certainly that would have to be a limited access. It would not be, and I never have, or anybody that supports us has wanted to create a road that is used by the general public all day long. Uh, this road would be an emergency road, one, uh, the first and primary reason. The second reason would be that school buses would be able to use it. Other than that, no, no other traffic. It would be very easy to design a gate system that the uh, school buses would have access to open that gate and close that gate. And anybody that would be uh, part of what we would consider the emergency group up here would also have access to open that gate and close that gate in time of an emergency. Uh, that would be it. It's not going to be a second road up here on the mountain for people to travel back and forth to Virginia or anywhere else that they want to go. So the, the possibility of them 
or the want of those folks wanting to build houses up along that stretch of the of the uh, wood line there, I think is pretty slim. Um, I see. Not, but but not only, uh, and that's certainly something that not only the state money would be used for, but we would have to work with the county in order to get that 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 actually done. And I think the with the current county a commission that we have in office right now that it's quite possible that we can get this pushed through. Um, the other part of that that I have researched is the uh, emergency notification system. Um, it, it costs a little bit of money, but it, it's primarily a software issue, uh, which would be controlled out of the Jefferson County 911 Communication Center. They would, this company would come in, put in place the software that, that they uh, would be needed to maintain uh, the uh, emergency notification system. Um, and uh, there's the monies are there. Uh, I mean, West Virginia right now is sitting with a, a whole lot of money uh, just waiting to be used. Right now, we have eight, over $800 million surplus dollars in the state of West Virginia. It's expected to go over $1 billion by the time, oh, by the way, why, the why is that? Why, where's all the surplus well, money? Coming? Apparently, that was money that was found that uh, has been there for quite some time. And through some good conservative uh, uh, financial handlings, uh, we've we've come across that kind of a money. We've built up that kind of a tr uh, fund. Uh, so instead of wasting the money, uh, the monies that have come in have been set aside and uh, 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 rally more. Uh, the uh, you know the treasurer has certainly done an incredible job in, in finding these funds that were were uh, there and uh, bringing them back for the state to use. Mm, interesting. Okay. One other question uh, before we move on to other topics. Um, what about getting a road across the river south there somewhere? Is that a possibility or not? Or that's out? Well, that would that would be number one. Everybody, I think, everybody's primary choice. That would be the best thing to happen. However. The construction of a bridge uh, is, is very costly and would end up costing several times more than what the current uh, plan would be to put a road over that mountain. We're talking the little bridge that sits down there uh, just on the other side uh, of Shenandoah, or Shenandoah River. That, that bridge right there costs several million dollars, and it was such a tiny little thing and really has, to be honest with you, made no improvements whatsoever to, to yeah, the, I know what uh, you're that, that, that road. So uh, if you could imagine what the cost would be to go across the Shenandoah River as wide as it is and as high as you'd have to take it up or at the angle you'd have to take it up to be safe uh, during a, a flood situation uh, would be uh, astronomical. So let me uh, ask one more question then. Yeah, okay. The bridge idea, the bridge idea was more like would be almost within existing Shannondale and wouldn't really probably encroach into the Friends Retreat, uh, et cetera. So would that be, a, a, it seems like if logically that would be a regular road, wouldn't it be hard to justify building a bridge that's never open? Uh, probably. It would be much more difficult than uh, just building a road over the mountain. Uh, you know, the justification for that uh, to build, spend multi-million dollars, uh, you know, to build a bridge, it's only going to be used in time of an emergency and would have no other uh, safety use, such as 
I mean, if you stop and look at the difference, that bridge would do only one one of one thing that would be opened up in time of an emergency. That would be it. So Where you're determined you, that whatever it is, or it, it is in your mind determined, should only be even that bridge thing for emergencies, not for regular traffic. Exactly. I, we don't want, I don't think anybody up here on the mountain wants, uh, you know, uh, this being a through throughway for people just coming through uh, from okay. to get cut across cut across and come up into the mountain to go to the other side or for route nine into virginia and and, and none of us want that so okay. you know your, your bridge would just be an exit in time of an emergency where if we have the road that went over this the mountain we could use also utilize that for school buses that would mean that our kids uh from here in the shannondale area in west virginia and on the other side uh, and that hooks into Virginia would not be on the road and, and subjected yeah. to dangers of traffic accidents. Well, I want to move to one other thing. So when you say over the mountain, the area that you're talking about up there, uh, I think it's called Raven Rocks. Yes, that kind of connects naturally by the what's whereas now there's a power line cut up that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I kind of get that. And then there is an existing West Virginia road that goes now obviously into Virginia. Yes, but the other route you're talking about, Mission Road, that goes over into that. Um, I forget the name of the subdivision there, where there's an old golf course in that area, and then mm -hmm. that connects basically over there. So those are really two different routes. So yes. kind of, I'm a little confused by the term "over the mountain" because when I think of going down Mission to that subdivision that's adjacent to the river. You're not really going over the mountain per se. It's more like down the mountain. Whereas if you're going up to Raven Rocks, you're kind of going up. Or am I confused about something? No, I, I don't. Uh, if you go down to that subdivision all the way down to the bottom down there and bear to the left, I don't know any area down there that would actually take you all the way over. Uh, I mean, because you're other, other than, you know, traveling right alongside of the river. Well, Mission Road, so-called Mission Road, which is closed, it, it, but I it, think it, it's a, like ATV trail, does go down into that subdivision. It skirts well, it and then comes yeah, well, out. It, but if you actually go down Mission Road, and before you get to that, the subdivision at the very end of Mission Road, Mission Road is the left turn where you turn to go up toward um, the nature preserve there. right yeah that, that is actually mission road mission road doesn't continue on mission road goes to the left up over the mountain there right okay well i think we have, we'll leave that aside but that's a good, okay. a good discussion of it and what you're thinking so when you think more statewide what do you think you know the biggest issue is i mean i know we're talking about this uh air this is for virginia but you know, more on the state, I mean, <laughs> our district 100, but more on the statewide level, what do you think the biggest issue or issues are? Well, you know, the people here elect me to represent them. And even though you're at a state position, I think a delegate's job is to listen to the people that elect them. You get elected to represent a specific district, and that would be the district 100. Um, those people, elect me to listen to them and I work for them. They don't work for me. It seemed like in the past, you know, uh, you know, 
people get elected and and they tell everybody here, this is what's going to happen. The first thing that as a delegate you need to do is listen to the people. You have to know what they want and what they don't want. Um, I've got an opponent wants to bring city water and sewage here. You know, that's the last thing that people on the on the mountain want. For one, you, you've got the cost of the Which the opponent is that? If you don't that's Pasha, Pasha Majda. Oh, okay. Uh, a part of his uh, plan is to bring city water and sewage here. And, and that is, uh, I mean, nobody here wants that. Just the mitigation cost alone to do away with your septic tank is, is astronomical. And all the costs for that come back to the person that lives there, the homeowner. Uh, that's before anything, you know, it's, then on top of it, you, you give up right away onto your land, as well as you're going to have a monthly bill for forever. Where nobody has a monthly bill on a septic or a, a well. Right. So, I mean, and that's, that's one planet you don't want. You've got to know what the people want, number one. Number two is when you go to Charleston and, and work, uh, you know, within the other state delegates there, you try to bring as many dollars back, as many programs back to your home county as possible. One of the things that I worked very hard to bring back to Jefferson County is pro monies to set up programs and attract businesses here, for one thing, for our youth. Our youth have absolutely nothing in Jefferson County. When I first come here over 30 years ago, at least we had a bowling alley. It didn't have a lot, but at least we had a bowling alley. That bowling alley exists no more. It's now a fireworks warehouse. Uh, you know, so we the kids here have don't have a bowling alley. They don't have a movie theater. They don't have an arcade system. They have nothing here. So when they get on the road to go somewhere, they're either going into Maryland, into Virginia, or to uh, over to Martinsburg. But we how could you help some, with that as a delegate? Isn't that private? Certainly, uh, to by attract by attracting businesses that would come here that would cater to our youth. Uh, you know, you've got to bring them in. Even a movie theater would do, give us something uh, where parents and their and their young kids could go do things together. When my wife and I first moved here with our kids, um, you know, we used to go to the bowling alley. There was a place for families to go to mm -hmm, do things mm -hmm. where you could be interactive with your child. There was nothing here in this county to do that with, you know, so that's certainly one thing. As far as uh, other programs, um, I want to bring business as a whole here to Jefferson County. We have a lot of growth. We are the fastest growing county in this state. And that's one reason for that is because people who work over in Maryland and in D.C. and Virginia come over here because property taxes are less, because property costs less. So they live over here. They work over on the other side. If we could attract business here, it would help with the tax base. This county is growing so fast that our tax base is all on the residents, the homeowners. We cannot continue to give the services to the people if we don't attract business in here to bring business taxation into Jefferson County. That has some, been something that uh, should have been done years ago, but the past administration were so negative toward business that we never got it here. So now the, the actual everyday homeowner is the one who's, who's bearing the brunt of it. That well, we got the, rock, the controversial Rockwell plant. Well, you know, whether even if it is controversial, you know, at least it's a, a good paying job and people have been put to work, you know. Um, you know, over the years, uh, the, the, and I think it's going to continue, and no matter what we try to bring here, there's going to be some people that just don't want it here. But until you bring that here, uh, you're not going to have the services be able to su 
supply the services to the people that they want and they need in Jefferson County. Other things that I'd like to do is I believe in locality pay. Our teachers, our law enforcement, our EMS folks deserve to make the same kind of monies that the folks make across the line in Maryland and Virginia. That is a necessity that has to get passed and get brought back here. One of the things that that will help do is not only retain the good people that we have here and, and keep them living here and working here, but it'll also give something for our youth to grow up to uh, when they grow up and, and go to college to get their education, or even if they just don't want to do that, they want to become a law enforcement officer. I thought, interject, something, I thought something passed recently about there don't was, different so that, counties have different pay for teachers? That has not passed all the way through, no. Locality is, pay is an absolute must. Okay. There were bills introduced, but the bills, some of the bills never made it out of committee. All right, all right. So to change the now, topic. there was monies. There was a plan introduced by Governor Justice, and that was yeah. for additional pay. But that was that was uh, that wasn't just for this area. That was for state troopers statewide. That was also for teachers statewide. But in order for the teachers in this area to here to be competitive with the teachers and and the law enforcement of the people across the line, we have to uh, change that system. Well, that might be more of a county issue because here we have the excess levy and only one to two percent goes to teachers, which means 98 to 99 percent is going mostly for administration. A lot of money is wasted. Exactly. That was uh, and I, I, well, I contribute that to the Board of Education. They're the ones uh, and the the uh, uh, the head of the board. She's the one who decided that where the monies were going to go. She gave the high pay raises to the administrators. Um, that's why we need to get a board of education intact that will won't allow that to happen. Right. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, do vote May 10th. Okay. So on the, I want to ask you about. So we had in 2021, the House voted overwhelmingly to reel in Governor Justice's emergency powers. That was failed in the Senate when the wrong, in my opinion, wrongly named. Delegate Trump from Martinsburg basically killed it. Into so anyway, I didn't hear much action, if any, on that in the 2022 legislative session. However, do you think the governor's emergency powers should be reeled in so we don't have these endless mandates, or do you think that's not an issue? Or what's your opinion on that? Well, I don't believe in mandates. Period. Uh, you know, I don't believe that we need to have the mandates out there. I think that the person, the people here should have freedom uh, to, to pick what, what they want to pick when it comes to whether you get to, or for instance, the vaccine. If you want the vaccine, that's your right to get it. If you don't want the vaccine, I don't think you should be mandated to have to get it. I don't believe in forcing uh, the government, forcing their views or their ways on anybody. In fact, uh, I received the endorsement by the West Virginia uh, Health uh, Freedom Act uh, and, uh, and the PAC. And, and so I'm quite proud of that. And basically, that means that you get to pick what kind of treatment you want. And that means that you don't have to be subjected to uh, any kind of shots or anything like that if you don't want to. Right. Okay. Well, a uh, corollary question, as you uh, know, I believe, in West Virginia, we used to be one of only two, and now uh, about four states who don't let children attend public or private school unless they get all, like I think it's 26 doses of the 13 or 
some vaccines. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, that came to light more with all the COVID stuff, although that's not yet mandated, but could be for children. So the question is, would you support rolling back the uh, vaccine mandates in West Virginia? I'm not just talking about COVID mandates. I'm talking about the existing mandates that have been in place for decades, more than three decades plus, that say you may not attend public school, no religious exemptions, no conscientious exemptions, and medical exemptions very hard to get. Would you roll that back as a delegate? I don't know, uh, to be honest with you. I don't know. I, I believe that uh, uh, I remember when I was very young and going to school, the, the major problem we had back then was polio. Um, and polio, I remember growing up with kids that got polio and, and, and what it did. Uh, not, well, we had a president, uh, Franklin Roosevelt had polio. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think there, that there was a lot of good that was done out of a lot of these vaccines. I think that it certainly um, got, got rid of a lot of dangerous uh, diseases and ailments that some of our, our kids were getting that, that uh, a lot of our population was suffering. So uh, I think that that is something that has been intact for a number of years. Uh, one of the things that you've got to look at when you're comparing those uh, vaccines to the vaccines of COVID or other things is that the period of time that these things were initiated and have, have been out there and been used, there's a big difference in the fact, uh, the two of them. Uh, these polio vaccines and all the, a lot of the other vaccines, uh, smallpox and, uh, and several other diseases mm-hmm. have pretty much been done away with because of vaccines. Well, that's arguable, um, but I don't think this is the show to discuss that. I will send you our fact sheet but after yeah. the show. But OK, so anyway, you're not uh, sure you would vote to get rid of the uh, I, I At this time, I don't, I don't know if I'd roll that back or not. But I'm okay, talking about all right, all right. Um, going forward. Fair enough. We have your position on that. What about another thing that I was, you know, that was more in mind of, well, it's in my mind now. So let me just state it clearly. Election integrity. So I, I didn't see really much movement that I noticed in the last session or even two sessions about election integrity. I know we have a voter ID law. That's good. But I feel that we've initiated this, what I call, or many people call black box voting. It's increased voting times. Now, if you go to Blue Ridge Elementary, you have to wait 45 minutes. Why? Because there are more people voting? No, because they only have three black box, what I call black box, i.e., I forget the name of the company, not Dominion, the other company, voting machines. Whereas in 2016, we had eight stations, we had a couple machines, and you could vote by paper ballot. And mm-hmm. a lot of people feel, including myself, that's much more traceable if there is an audit versus some electronic box that prints out some paper that I have been guilty myself of not even looking at. So would you continue this uh, electronic voting uh, system? And also, and, uh, or do you think there should be more accountability? And um, what about the mail-in ballots? Would you keep that pretty restricted or open that up more or what? Well. Uh, I believe in the, in the mail-in ballot system simply because uh, folks that live here and uh, are working out of state and can't get home to vote or are folks that serve in the military. 
that's the only way that they're able to uh, actually submit their vote and still have their voice. Well, military is a given. Obviously, no one's against. Uh, but we, have, but it's the same thing as for for many folks that are, that work with the federal government or other jobs that take them out of the area. For instance, I have a cousin that that lives in the Clarksburg area, and uh, he works a lot. Uh, back when the pipeline was still something that was going through. He, uh, he was out working on the pipeline and, and out of uh, the area for quite some time. He didn't have the, the, the time to come back home to vote, but by uh, him being able to do a mail-in vote, he was. He was able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I support that for those folks, but I don't support that just because somebody doesn't want to go uh, vote and uh, you know the, the mail-in votes. I think that we need to you know keep a, rein that in. Uh, this last election in 2000 was a joke. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you had paper ballots coming in, what, a week later and being counted. That, that's just ridiculous. Um, so I think that uh, you need to rein that in and have more accountability on that. Um, I absolutely uh, think, believe in the voter ID. You've got to have an ID. If you want to vote, you better have an ID that says you live here and that you're a citizen of this country. I do not believe in people that are non uh, non-citizens. Uh, I don't believe in them being able to vote. Um, as far as this, this current uh, machines that we have that people vote on, um, I don't particularly have a problem with them. Uh, I don't uh, see that there's a major issue, but that's certainly something that could be looked at. And if the people as a whole felt better with the paper ballots, although paper ballots take much longer, uh, and I believe that there's uh, uh, the uh, ability for human error is more so with those than uh, the system we have now. But if well, I think they're people... both cases, they feed them into a machine. Unless it's a very small <laughs> district, they hand count them. And um, I noticed in the West Virginia code that there's a very detailed procedure for hand counting the ballots in small districts that don't use machines. But the mm-hmm. funny thing to me was, Otherwise, they stick them in some machine, and people will mostly trust that that's right. But if you're counting them by hand, you got a very detailed procedure. But anyway, go ahead. But but that that would be my stand on it. So I, I mean, if it's something that the the people uh, statewide would like to see changed, then that's something that I would support. I, okay. I, to me, it's it's quite simply, I'm there to work for the people. I'm not there I to tell. To re- the yeah. To okay. Work. Review just more time. If you said, forgive me. So for the thing about. The, the governor's emergency powers, would you vote, should the bill come up again, like the House bill that came up in 20, uh, 2021, would you vote to make, a, a, for instance, a time limit and limits on the governor's emergency powers? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. All right. That's clear enough. Um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask about, it's close to my heart, and it is related to like statewide policy. As you know, I'm, my wife, I founded a nonprofit dealing with youth education, specifically around, you know, sexual absence before marriage for youth who are of school age. So do you think that kind of um, idea is a, a good idea for youth, like to abstain before marriage and that, you know, education that's offered in schools should like emphasize that? Well, um I think it's a good thing. Yes, I, I, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I think, you know, I ideally uh, anybody who comes from uh, a, a faith based uh, 
lifestyle uh, believe in that. Um, I currently, uh, when I went to school, we, we basically didn't have much of along the lines of sex education other than biology class. You know, right. that was about as close as it came to it. We had health classes and they just touched on the, this is a boy and this is a girl issue, you know. Uh, but pretty but, much now all <clears throat> districts are giving some kind of like HIV AIDS prevention slash health education, whatever. I don't have a problem with uh, them teaching, you know, prevention. Um, uh, but I, I do have a problem with them uh, telling kids uh, the current way it is now with, you know, you have a boy, then you have a girl, and then you have people who look like a boy, but are really a girl. I, I have a problem with schools being uh, right. involved in that kind of education. I think schools there to teach you to read, write, and, and uh, you know, basically develop the basic skills that you need knowledge wise to be grow into a, a functional adult. I don't believe there that it's the school's job to be teaching sex education uh, uh, or uh, any any of that to begin with. That's the parents job uh, and, and for them and their church that they choose to go to. Right. But since schools do teach, you know, uh, some kind of HIV AIDS prevention, uh, virtually all schools then but pretty much even in the 90s under Bill Clinton, any federal programs that were funded, you know, for different nonprofits that dealt with um, absence. Uh, yeah, they had to teach if they were the federally funded, you know, so-called absence center programs that school age children shouldn't, you know, be having sexual relations, which was considered common sense. So well, yeah, I do know maybe. exactly what we're talking about. The other approach is so-called comprehensive sex ed which typically yep. means that people have a right to do whatever they want. People being, you know, even school-aged children, you know, they're not, do little or nothing to discourage sexual exploration. And then of course, all the LGBTQ, et cetera, is on the table. And mm -hmm. that I believe shouldn't be talked about in schools, you're right. But as far as basic information like, hey, it's good to wait to have sex till you're married. And it's not just faith-based, but because you know, you're more likely to be successful, your children are less likely to live in poverty, you won't get sexually transit disease, et cetera, you know. I have no problem with, uh, you know, the, the, it being part of a health program or, or something of that nature when they teach that that portion to that abstinence is the best, yes. Right, so that I think that's something that, you know, could be worked work toward. Okay, well, as you come in near the conclusion, I just wondering if you'd like to, you know, differentiate yourself as you were saying you have two other opponents. Well, why should the voters um, pick you versus your opponents? Well, for one, I'm the one who's been here the longest. One opponent has been here basically two years and he lives down in the Old Town Harpers Ferry area. He comes from Northern Virginia, was involved in Northern Virginia politics there. He's also the one that wants to bring city water and sewage as part of his infrastructure plan to the mountain. My other opponent, who's a wonderful gentleman, a career military man, and has worked for the federal government, has been here less than a year. I have been here for over 30 years, and I have been part of this community. I have lived through the same struggles as everybody here, and, and, and I know what everybody's 
been through and, and the things that uh, we have wanted our voice to be heard in Charleston has not happened. And I will be the representative that takes their voice to Charleston and does what they need and what they want. I, like I said, I will work for them. They won't work for me. I'm tired of hearing, well, do you think you're the only place in West Virginia that has that problem? Or the other reply is, that's not going to happen. Well, you know, <laughs> right. you know, to, to me, that's ridiculous when we yeah. elect a person to do a job for us. So th th you'll never hear out of my mouth. That's not going to happen. Or do you think you're the only place in West Virginia with that problem? If it's what the people here want and I'm their elected person, I'll be taking it to Charleston Forum. Clear enough. Clear enough. Well, I really thank you for coming on the show today. I hope this is helpful for all the uh, voters uh, listening. And do be sure to vote on uh, May 10th in the, in the primary election. Plus. You mentioned school board is important. The only election for the school board is May 10th. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for taking time to uh, come on today. All right. I thank you for having me. OK, well, this is Richard Urban. Thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next time.